Welcome back to The Spot. I am your host, Dr. Virgil, otherwise known as Dr. V. I am a board-certified pediatrician, expert in the emotional and physical well-being of infants and children through their teenage years, and I am committed to helping you and your family thrive. (sighs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. Have a seat. Have a seat. Um, I want to first start by thanking everyone who listened to the last episode that I had about the movie Color Purple, the importance of community and keeping our children safe from trauma. And I want to thank you for all of your comments and your questions and sharing that episode. I feel like it was impactful. I do want to share a comment that I received about a call to action, if you will, that I made in that episode. And it's around um, the importance of connecting with the children in our care. And this one is specifically for leaders and uh, youth coaches and um, counselors. If you are working with a small or large group of Uh, children or teens or youth, it's important to learn their names. Um, There's a parent who who sent me a message and said, wow, thank you so much, Dr. V, for just mentioning the importance of learning the names of children instead of calling them you over there or who's that one with the orange shirt or what's that one's name? Saying their names is so important for building rapport and building connection with youth and children so that we can keep them safe so that they can share their lives with us and so that we can partner with them to help them thrive. So thank you so much for that comment and for sharing your feedback on that. Today, this episode, I want to um, talk a little bit about something that's near and dear dear to my heart. Um, Happy Black History Month. It is February. And so Black History Month has a deep meaning in my heart. Um, One, because I just um, love history. Um, As a a major in undergrad, history was actually my major. um, And my minor was biology. So I love the way in which history informs our present, looking back at the past, um, the stories, um, the journeys, the triumphs the trauma, the drama that brought us to where we, and by we, I mean all of us who are humans, brought us to where we are today. And so um, Black History Month is an opportunity for us as a collective to reflect back on the impact of African-American people in America, Um, not just for black people to do it really, but for all people to do it. Because what I love about these months that celebrate a culture group, a racial group, is that it highlights that group so that we understand that all of us in different ways have made a tremendous impact in the tapestry that is America. And it's important for adults to know this information, but it's really, really important for children. And so, you know, I always talk about the social, emotional, and physical well-being of children, understanding where we are in the world, how we fit into the world, and our value, the value of children 
in individuals around me who are different really does make a difference and impacts the self-esteem of children. So that's how this ties into the children's wellness spot because we can talk about medical issues, we can talk about health-related issues, we can talk about mental health issues, but we have to talk about the importance of valuing who we are and the value that we give to all human beings around us so that we can treat each other with kindness and dignity. And so um, that's why I just love Black History Month. And so I want to share with you two important Black history facts that you can share with your children as it relates to pediatrics. And I will encourage you to do three things with your children uh, this Black History Month to hopefully deepen your understanding of Black history or allow you maybe for the first time to engage in an activity during Black History Month. And so um, as we begin this Black History Month, um, I want to share with you these two uh, little known history facts of pediatrics in the state of Georgia as it relates to being black in in Georgia. Um, And so the first is um, many may not be familiar with the name Otis Smith. So keep that name in the back of your mind. I want it to come to the forefront, to the front of your mind so you can share it with your children um, or kids that you work with uh, the next time you talk about unknown black history facts. So for me, I am a pediatrician board certified, as I mentioned. Um, When I first started my training after medical school, I was assigned to a continuity clinic. So a clinic where you work um, outpatient with families, making sure that kids are up to date on their checkups, you do their, their physical screens, their vaccines, and these are called continuity clinics. The clinic that I was assigned to was part of Grady, which is a large hospital system in the Atlanta metro area. And I remember when I pulled up to that clinic the first day, nervous as I was in my extra crisp white coat, um, stethoscope around my neck, what we call the Harriet Lang textbook of pediatrics in my coat pocket. I was ready to go. Um, I looked up at the signage on top of the door of the brick building that was sort of old and saw the name Otis Smith. And in my mind, I, I didn't even know what to make of that name. It was just my assigned facility. But I became very familiar with that name and that space over the weeks that followed. Every week, every I believe it was Thursday, I was assigned to this clinic for the half day and I would sit in my attending. So this is my supervising pediatrician's office after having examined a patient, talked to the mom, talked to the the family members, looked at the baby from head to toe, would go into her office and present my findings, my thoughts, my diagnosis, sometimes under her extremely critical eye um, with lots of questions being fired at me about vaccine schedules. And, you know, I would get flustered sometimes, um, but I knew that I was getting grounded in learning how to take care of kids. I would sometimes look up you know, for help, if you will. Oh God, please be with me. I have no idea what this woman asked me. And above her desk, there would be a, there was a black and white picture of a man with a white beard um, and a white coat who was 
examining the neck of a probably four or five year old African-American girl with pigtails in her hair, palpating her neck is what we call it when you just kind of move your hand down to feel things like lymph nodes. Standing next to this um, older man was a student. You could tell it was a student because this woman in the picture had a short white coat and that's how we distinguish ourselves in medicine. The long coats are the doctors. The short coats tend to be the medical students in medical training. And so she had her hair kind of fanned out in that mid 70s style. And I would just kind of stare at this picture looking for help, I guess, looking for a distraction whenever my attending would fire lots of questions at me. And I came to know this picture as the image of Otis Smith, who was the first African-American board certified pediatrician in the state of Georgia. And so being the first African-American board certified pediatrician in the state of Georgia was a big deal in and of itself. But what is so awesome about Otis Smith, as I begin to dig into his background, was it didn't stop there. He didn't just stop at being the first. There were so many other ways in which he contributed to improving healthcare for African-American children in Atlanta metro area in the state, but also for all people in our country, essentially. So Otis Smith was a Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia native. He was trained, um, he, was a, he went to school in the Atlanta metro area and attended Ashby Elementary at that time and Booker T. Washington School. They have his date of birth as 1925. Um, he attended Morehouse College, so fully trained in the Atlanta area. And um, of note, in the National Park Service gov kind of background of um, Otis Smith. They talk about him being a pre-med major at Morehouse College who actually earned multiple letters in multiple sports, which was a unique thing at that time for a pre-med student. And I would say is still very unique. Um, but he lettered in baseball, track and field, football, and basketball. After finishing at Morehouse College, he attended Meharry Medical College where he completed his um, internships and residency. Um, at Homer G. Phillips and became, like I said, the first board-certified African-American pediatrician in the state of Georgia. So I stand on shoulders like his, and I think many of us would say so. Um, but what is so phenomenal, as I mentioned, is his work did not just stop at being the first in this um, major accomplishment, but also um, he further went on to chair the committee of the Atlanta Medical Association to enforce desegregation of hospitals um, in the Atlanta area. And I'll talk a little bit about hospital segregation, but um, he went on to sign and pen a letter to Lyndon, Lyndon Johnson um, which then a year later, Lyndon Johnson signed a letter um, desegregating all hospitals across the nation. So what started as a charge just for the state of Georgia to desegregate um, further moved on towards the national stage in the, de in the, the process of desegregating all hospitals. So, um, you know, kudos to Dr. Otis Smith, pediatrician. We stand on your shoulders. 
Now your children can be familiar with that name, understanding that he started just from a young man in Atlanta, Georgia, attending schools there, moving forward. And none of us know the impact that our lives will make beyond ourselves until we're actually called to do so by the circumstances or the time. So the second black history fact I want to share with um with all of us is the um, importance of understanding the era of the 60s, really the 50s. So I talked about how Otis, Dr. Otis Smith was instrumental in helping desegregate hospitals in the Atlanta area. But until the establishment of Hugh Spaulding, which is a institution in Atlanta, a hospital institution that was built and opened for the first time in 1952, there was no place for black Atlanta natives, African-Americans to get care on par with their white counterparts. So um, Hugh Spaulding was an attorney in the Atlanta metro area and a business leader. And he, along with others, collected donations because they recognized the, the need for a safe place with um, expertise and quality care to be created for African-Americans to address the disparities, the differences in their health and delivery of health for them all the way in the 1950s. And so um, Hugh Spaulding now is a part of the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta Health System. So um, there are three different campuses if you ever are in the Atlanta area. It's Scottish Rite, Eggleston, and Hugh Spaulding. But Hugh Spaulding first began as a private hospital, the only one in the metro area for African Americans that were in the segregated South, essentially. And so... Um, there was 130 beds there that were um, open for both children and adults. And this facility was a training ground for black healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses, and other medical staff to care for, be educated, and um, help address the disparities in care for the community that was overlooked. Uh, in large part. And so that is another amazing black history fact. And for me, um, there's a lot of, there's a special place that Hugh Spaulding holds in my heart because much like Otis Smith uh, Continuity Clinic was where I trained outpatient, I did some of my training as a resident inpatient at Hugh Spaulding once they merged with Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. So I remember um, some of the more seasoned medical staff um, that work there were still very much aware of the history of Hugh Spaulding and had great pride in how far the hospital had come from being essentially a segregated hospital, sort of um, the only option for African Americans, and had moved through the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s to at that point the early 2000s, where where they were now a fully integrated children's hospital um, serving a wide variety of uh, patients throughout the area and the city. So um, we never know the humble beginnings from which we begin, the impact that we will make, and our children need to understand that. And this is not just a matter of history. It is also important because these changes, the building of Hugh Spaulding, Dr. Otis Smith becoming the first board-certified pediatrician who was African-American, were addressing the needs and the disparities that were apparent in the community of African-American descent in the 50s and in the, the 60s, etc. 
there are still disparities and differences that we experience and that we are aware of um, even today. And so when we, as we celebrate the work of these legends and these institutions that were built, we have to recognize that our children ourselves can also move forward and continue to build upon that. Um, and I just think about walking those hallways at Hughes Spalding every day, just feeling that history and feeling the importance of that um, as a testimony. And we can all be inspired by, um, by those differences. And so um, African-American history is not just for ourselves, who are, those of us who are African-American is for everybody. And so it's important to think about sharing these stories with our children. I want to leave you with three recommendations um, for African-American um, Black History Month. Um, things that can help you kind of celebrate black history for the first time if you have not. Um, maybe you can try these things as new ways of approaching uh, honoring Black History Month. And if you're already doing them, I'm simply here to say kudos, keep going because it matters. All of the history of the subgroups in our um, society, women's history, um, American Pacific Islander, Asian history, all matter. And so first thing, my first recommendation is if you have a young child or even an older child, choosing a book written by an African-American author or um, an illustrator, read it together. Choose someone in black history that maybe you can read the autobiography of or just simply a topic related to black history on the level of your child and then talk about it. You may find that it touches a chord. There are themes that are brought up in the stories that you can relate to your child. It may inspire them in their future career. It may inspire them in terms of the way they approach a challenge. So my first recommendation is reading a book. And it's also a great way for parents and children to spend time together. So you'll twofold learn history, participate in Black History Month, but also spending time together. The second um, recommendation I have is finding a way to support black history programs within your community. Um, I think it's important to do that because it, it highlights the importance of black history so that we continue to celebrate it. So if you look at your um, community calendar in a newspaper or online, you'll hopefully find some social activities, maybe out of your local YMCA, a local church, a local civil, civic organization. Participate and support in those endeavors. Get your children to go to them. And that is another way in which you can engage and celebrate Black History Month. Um, and then... Number three, begin your own traditions. Think out of the box. How can we as a family think about ways in which we celebrate Black History Month, even if we are not black? Because remember, black history is American history. And if I see value in the experiences of your cultural group in this country, then I see value in you. And we all have value. And our children need to know that we all have value. So they become adults that recognize the value in all that they encounter. So again, recommending reading a book, choosing a theme that you share to read about with your child or your teen, 
support a local Black History Month program in your community, and then think about beginning your own traditions. So some families will have a Black African-American history um, culinary night. So we'll choose something that is common in a certain area or region and say, hmm, today we're going to make this dish. If it's gumbo, we might make a gumbo and try to find out the history of how gumbo came to this country and who had a different hand in how gumbo was made. And I'm thinking specifically of this absolutely phenomenal Netflix series called High on the Hog. This is just a parenthesis that talks about the impact of food and the African-American experience through slavery and the present time. It is absolutely phenomenal. If you haven't seen it, that is just a sidebar. Um, I will close that this conversation is not just about the past. So we're not just learning the past because it's important to learn the past, which it does have value. But it's also because the past helps us understand the present and it will help us move forward as a nation, as in our smaller communities towards the future and hopefully a brighter future. And so I want us to not forget these disparities that I talked about in the early history of this country that Dr. Otis Smith addressed by becoming a pediatrician or that developing the institution of Hugh Spaulding addressed as far as it relates to inpatient hospitalized care for black people in the Atlanta area. We still have disparities today that our children experience. And I want to share with you just some information that I recently heard about in The Lancet, which is a child and adolescent um, journal. Um, in their child adolescent section of the Lancet. Um, basically, that there was a study retrospective, so looking back at a lot of children in different categories of diagnoses. So, for example, looking at children who had come into an ER with appendicitis, which causes a lot of abdominal pain, breaking it up by culture, by color, um, which you can code for, um, they, they discovered that children who were African-American or of color, so non-white children, actually had less, were less likely to have um, pain medicine given to them with their appendicitis presentation. So as much as pain, appendicitis hurts, they were, many of them were given painkillers less than their white counterparts. So that lets us know that we still have work to do as far as healthcare disparities. Additionally, if a child of color, non-white child came into the pediatric ERs across the study, they were less likely to get diagnostic imaging for whatever their condition was. So when I say diagnostic imaging, that means an X-ray, um, you know, a CT, whatever it is that is an extra step test that needs to be taken to make the diagnosis, children of color were less likely to get that diagnostic imaging compared to their non, um, to their white counterparts. And so again, healthcare disparities do still exist. We as healthcare providers, no matter what our background is, all come with some bias, a preconceived notion, a way in which we view the world based off of the way we've categorized individuals, their value. That's all in the back of our minds, but that does impact how we take care of people because we are all human. 
And so it's still so important to learn this history, to put value on that history, even the history that's painful, we need to learn it so that we don't repeat it, but also because it's important to know the journey of every single group within our society. And as new cultures and communities enter in our society, it's important to understand that journey as well. I'm going to leave us with one of my favorite writers. Her name is Dr. Maya Angelou. She um, is not only a great writer, but a poet, um, a critical thinker, someone who just can see society for what it was, speak very clearly to society and very beautifully, in my opinion. But I'll leave you with one of my favorite quotes from her. We cannot change the past, but we can change our attitude towards it. Uproot guilt and plant forgiveness. Tear out arrogance and seed humility. Exchange love for hate, thereby making the present comfortable and the future promising. And so I hope that this time spent together left you with some pearls to share with your children because ultimately the goal is to make our future promising so that all of our children and our families can thrive. Thank you so much for spending some time with me here at The Spot. I look forward to us chatting again. So let's talk soon.